Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, it's Wednesday again and I'm here with Louis Ergoni. Hello, Doll fans. And Jim Johnson. Hello, everyone. I asked the people on our Facebook page to uh, send us their questions, and they did. And uh, what we'd like to do today is just go ahead and uh, throw them around the table a little bit. The first question is uh, from uh, Joe uh, Cusinata. The two-parter, he says, how do you all feel about trading out a number three to no lower than number eight for a second this year and a first next year? And if they trade down with four picks in the top 50, should they use a second, first, or second, or the first second on a defensive player? My answer to that is, is the compensation seems reasonable, but it's all about who you target. And uh, are you reasonably certain you can get that player that you want at number eight? Otherwise, it doesn't make a lot of sense to trade down there. So it really is going to depend on who they want. And as far as who they should take, well, you know, I always say best player available at a position in need early in the draft. Jim, how do you see it? Basically, the same as what you do. You know, the value is there and it's all good. Uh, but if you don't, if you do it and you miss the player you wanted, now you're settling for something you probably didn't want. So if you're trading down, you need to be sure of what you're doing and we definitely need some defensive help, so I'm sure they would, uh, they're going to be looking for a defensive player, but I would say in the second round. Okay. I don't see any reason as to why we need more draft picks. You know, you take the best available player at number three, and that's it. You leave it alone. You have three other picks before the second round ends. I mean, you can get good quality well, players. Well, you can there. get another first next year, Lewis, and that, that's the incentive. It, well, it, it, yeah, maybe. I mean, you don't, you don't know what you can get. I mean, the bottom line is this, is that, that that value right there, and you don't know what you're getting next year with that first round pick. If it's, an, if it's a number 18 or 19, right. you're not getting that value that you're getting. At, you're getting the third best player coming out of college right now. So, you know, that's what you do. You take, you're going to get the best player at any position with the exception of quarterback more than likely at that slot. You don't give it up. I don't, I don't care at what it's now. If you want, you want to talk about a couple of first round draft picks, maybe, but there's a lot of value there, especially if Sewell's still there. So 
I'm, I'm not giving that up. I'm just not doing it. Uh-huh. Daniel Reinhardt asked, which wide receiver do we like better, Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase? Me, personally, I prefer Chase just by a little bit, but I think both those kids have potential to be good. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd, I'd prefer Chase bigger. I a little think bigger, a little very, stronger. Yeah, I think, they're, I think they're very comparable as far as talent is concerned. At that number three, I don't know if I'd go there. And at number 18, I don't think either one of them will be there. So, you know, I think it's kind of a mute point when it comes to either one of these guys, unless, of course, we trade back up, uh, which is a possibility by giving up one of our second rounders or giving up our first round next year. I don't know. I don't know how much value they have in either one of these guys. But, um, you know, I don't see us getting either one of them. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, we, you know, there's a possibility there. But, you know, I, I think that at number three, it's just too early. And at number 18, these guys will be gone. Hey, guys, this is Mike again, uh, breaking in for a second just to ask a favor of you. We would like to request that you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and rate the show. Uh, let us know how we're doing. We'd very much appreciate it. Thank you. And fins up. Mark Rutherford, he asked a lot of questions, I'll tell you, man. The first one he asked was, uh, is Greer's tenure on the clock with this draft class? And um, I would answer it like this. I don't think his tenure is ever off the clock, but I don't think you grade a GM based on one draft. You grade him on his entire body of work, you know, uh, what what he's done in free agency, what he did in this draft, and, and all the drafts since he's been the GM. Uh, and, and once that reaches a point where you're not satisfied, then you've got to make a decision. Greer is part of a bigger picture here, and they're not going to make any change unless the whole thing isn't isn't going the right direction. So uh, I don't really think he's that, you know, on the clock per se. Uh, the whole system, the whole team, you know, Greer and Flores as, uh, as a team are going to be on the clock if things don't go well. So, no, I, I don't see him as being on the clock that much right now. I beg to differ a little bit, and this is the reason why. I think that Flores has done an exceptional job with what he's had to work with. And Greer, on the other hand, um, with all these draft picks that we've had from last year and coming into this season, all the picks we're going to have this year, it, it's, it's telling. I mean, it's definitely going to be a situation where he's going to have to come up with some home runs this year. We've talked about it in previous podcasts. And I think there's a major separation between these two guys, to be honest with you. I think that Flores, with what he's had to work, has done an exceptional job, as I just said. And and Greer, on the other hand, has done a decent job. And with three draft picks in last year's draft and two more this year and two more second rounders this year, he has to. He has to be productive in this draft or else um, – yeah, there, there's. He's going to have to answer to it. So I, I do see a differential in regard to the two. I know they're an organization as one, but I think Flores, unless he completely, you know, fails in his third season this this upcoming season, I think that he's, you know, he's not going anywhere. Whereas Greer, you got to start questioning if if guys don't produce out of this out of this coming draft in, into next season, and the guys don't get you know, don't get better that they drafted this year as well. So it's a telling season for him. 
well, it's, it's up to the coaches to develop the players, right? Oh, absolutely, Mike, to an extent. I mean, but, you know, we talk about this all the time. I mean, some guys, these, sometimes these guys are what they are. Right. I mean, you can only develop a guy to, you know, to, to Everybody a certain- has a ceiling is what you're saying, and I get that. But my point is they work together, uh, Greer and Flores, you know? They're, they're tied together because th- th- their work intertwines. I get that. But my point is this. Flores is going to do his job regardless of what is thrown at him. He's proven that at this point. He's gotten a lot out of a little bit, okay? And I think that he is going to continue to do that. Um, but there comes a point where you have to give him more to work with. And, and that's where Greer and, and that scouting has to come into play. There's only so much Flores is going to be able to do if they don't start getting some more talented players on both sides of the football, uh, both sides of the football, they have to start getting some home run guys. It, it's that simple. And th- there is somewhat of a separation between the two. I have all the faith in the world in Flores right now, regardless of the fact. Greer, not so much at this point. Oh, yeah, so, you made that, you've made that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to, to your point there, Lou, if you don't think Flores has given Greer a lot of input on the players, then you're you're seriously confused. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when when it comes to, when it comes to scouting, Flores is not necessarily he's he's coaching a football team, you know. And yeah, he does have some input, but that's up to Greer and that scouting department to to do what they need to do. I mean, Flores only has so much time in the day. I mean, when you're a head coach in the NFL, I mean, you're coaching a football season. You don't have that luxury. You're not out there watching these guys. You can only watch, you can watch all the film you want, but it's up to these guys to put him in that position. Uh, he can't do everything. I mean, he's got to get some help at some point. And, um, you know, that, that's the way I feel. And, you know, I feel that, again, you know, Greer, you know his clock's ticking. If they have, a, if they don't have a good draft this year, he's going to start getting majorly questioned. Not only by Dolphin fans, but people you know that that are in the business. Well, Joseph Garrard asked a very similar question. So rather than ask that, I'm going to go to Ryan Norwood's question, and he asked, uh, "Would you feel comfortable with trading for Watson if we uh, first traded down from three and picked up additional draft picks in the future?" And my answer to that is you just used a number five on two. And I believe you did that because you believe in that kid. So I think you got to stay the course right now. I'm kind of in agreement with you, Mike, on this. Like you said, they just they just sprung a uh, number five on him last year. And he was coming off an injury. So I'm not going to be trading out of the Tua deal right now. We're going to have to trade the farm to get him. And... Uh, then we're going to be cash strapped and we're going to have too many holes left to plug. So it's a hard no for me. Yeah, uh, I, I don't need to um, say much more other than what you guys have said. I'm in total agreement on that as well. Here's one we may have some disagreements on. Uh, Mark Rutherford asks, what are your expectations in year three of the current rebuild? And for me... I want to see a more consistent offense and a defense that improves over last year. I'd like to see 11-plus wins and hopefully a playoff win. Well, yeah, I mean, 11 wins is going to pretty much get you in the playoffs, I would think. Well, remember, we're we're assuming 17 games, at least I am in my answer. 
Yeah, that's right. We've got to take that into consideration yep. as well. But, you know, they, they have to, as far as I'm concerned, they have to get to a point where now they're very competitive week in and week out. There's no question about it. They've, you know, they, they smacked a few good football teams in the face last year and, um, they were competitive in other games. We fell short in some, but they were competitive. Uh, nobody was coming in here and knocking the shit out of us, which is what we've seen in years past. Now, with all that being said, next season, they have to improve on what they did. I don't want to be at, you know, 10 and 6 again or 10 and 7, Mike, whatever it is, and be sitting outside of the playoffs. I think they have to be a playoff team next year. I think that they've got a nice foundation, uh, this coaching system, and uh, this head coach is in his third season. And I know they talk about five-year rebuilds and stuff, but in today's NFL, I think it's more like three years. You know, I think a lot of things have changed in regard to the NFL. And, um, you know, this, this, this franchise has been starved for playoffs. As far as I'm concerned, they got to be a playoff team next year or else I'm not going to be satisfied. I'll just say that I will be upset about the direction we're headed if we do not make the playoffs this season. If we're going to continue to move forward, then we need to be in the playoffs. And anything less is going to be cause for a lot of excuses. If uh, Fitz doesn't come back this year, and it's looking like he probably won't, uh, Mark asks, what do we think would be a good QB to back up, and what role do you see them playing, uh, you know, whether a, a challenger or just a mentor, you know, as a backup, or uh, who, who might you like? And, and I put down Andy Dalton, not because I think he's great, but because I think he has enough experience that he could probably be a decent mentor uh, to Tua. And there's not a lot of guys out there that's going to be in our budget. So <laughs> we'll have to see what they do with that. Like you, Mike, I was. we're not going to spend a lot of money on, on a backup quarterback. Uh, so I don't think we're going to be bringing somebody in that's going to push Tua for the starting job. Uh, I believe it's going to be somebody like Andy Dalton. I really couldn't come up with a guy that I, I thought they might actually bring in, uh, but that Andy Dalton is a, good, uh, is a good example of the type of player they're going to bring in. He's got some years in the system. He's had some success. If he gets in the game for whatever reason, he can, he can win a game for you. So, yeah, that's, that's going to be a mid-tier quarterback that's going to come in and, and just be a, a, a decent backup, per se. Listen, th this is a real, real interesting situation here because as we watch Tua down the stretch, um, there's nothing right now that you would be overly confident in, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's just being blatantly honest, okay? Well, we um, do have the Arizona game, so. <laughs> right. That was, that, that, that was, what, six, seven games back. The point is this, is that. That was his second game starting. Yeah. Right. Uh, the point is this, okay, it, you know, going in the next season, um, it's a big question mark. And really we is. don't know, we don't know the answer to that because the coaching staff, as f when they attack this situation in this off season, we're going to know exactly how they feel about Tua. Um, I think that there's a big separation between some of these guys out there in regard to money, as you guys have already mentioned. And then 
you've got the guys that have been journeyman backups, right? So yep. the question becomes, how much money do you want to spend on a backup? Are you that confident in Tua going in the next season and whether he can get us through this year? And the coaches are going to have to answer those questions. And as we see them attack the situation, we're going to see how they truly feel about Tua. I mean, I don't think they're past even drafting a guy, to be honest with you. If there's a guy there, another quarterback, I, honestly, I, if they don't feel overly confident in Tua or 100% behind him, you may very well see them draft another guy because they have to have you a You can see them do that at number three. It's possible. It, it very much is. I mean, that's... That's my point is that we're going to know how they feel about Tua in regard to how they address this situation, especially if if Fitzpatrick doesn't come back. Now, Mike, what you said that it's looking highly unlikely. Now, is there a reason behind that? Yes. There is. He has said he wants to try and play, and he's probably not going to play here. Right. I got you. Okay. So, I got you. You know, it's not guaranteed he's leaving, but he he's leaning that way. He's leaning towards going somewhere where he could be yeah. a starter. And Hopefully, uh, it's not in our division. Yeah, another interest. Well, it could be New England, but another interesting thing was uh, they asked Tua if uh, he'd like to see him back, and he really didn't answer the question. You know, he talked for a minute and a half, but didn't answer the question. Uh, he danced around it, yep. did he? He okay. sure did. So, all right. Uh, Mark Rutherford, uh, is the joint offensive coaching approach has shown faith in the existing staff or a sign that uh, Miami still can't attract the big names yet? And my answer, guys, is it's probably a combination of both. I, I imagine they had a couple of guys targeted and they couldn't get them, and this was what they thought was going to be best for right now. Jim? Yeah, yeah, I got to agree with you, Mike. Uh, you know, I just add that uh, when you looked at who are you going to bring in for an offensive coordinator? You've got two problems with that. If they're very good, they're only going to be here for a year or so, and they're going to get a head coaching job. And now you're going to have to install all new program again for the third year in a row. So I kind of like the internal decision, uh, whether one guy takes the reins and, and kind of leads in the offensive coordinator position. But I like the continuity of using guys that were already on the staff. Agreed. Agreed. I think that the guys that are there will do a fine job. Uh, they know the system. They're not changing anything. Um, and and that's the way to go. I mean, you bring in one of these other big name per se offensive coordinators that were out there. It's, it's a whole new system coming in to some extent. And, um, you know, I mean, who knows what they're going to want to bring with them? So with all that being said, I think it's fine. I think that it was the best possible scenario. I don't think it has anything to do with with them attracting a big name or not being able to because who wouldn't want to come here at this point? Uh, You know, this team is on the rise. And, you know, they're going to get a lot of recognition at some point. Did you see Tua play last year? I did. (laughs) That could be why you don't want to come. (laughs) But, Mike, if you listen to all these commentators, they praise the guy. So, I mean, you know, who who knows? I don't know. I mean, you know my opinion on the situation. But as you listen to the NFL Network and you listen to some of these other, you know, ESPN and these commentators and these ex-football players and the fact that, oh, two is going to be great, this and that and all this other stuff. So, you know... 
maybe that had something to do with them not wanting to come here. I don't know, but I don't think it does. I really don't. I think that if if, if they feel they're capable of coaching any type of offensive system, then they should have that confidence in themselves to do so. I don't know if the Dolphins even really went after any of these big well, name coordinators. None, none of us, us know. will know that. But, you know, it, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you know, coaching when it comes to all that kind of stuff to me, and, and this is my personal opinion, I think that you're only as good as the players that are on the field to I some agree extent. I agree with you. I, I agree mean, with you. It, it, I mean, there's a lot to be said about that, and you can go. We can go back and forth all day. But go ahead, Mike. What were you going to say? No, I, I was just going to say coaching does matter. I'm not. We're not saying it doesn't matter. But in exactly. the NFL, most of the guys got there for a reason. You know, you you got your top ten coaches are pretty much interchangeable. And, Agreed. You know, your bottom ten coaches are probably interchangeable, and then you got the guys who are average in the middle. But all of them can coach to to a level that is going to be as high or higher than the people on the street. Uh-huh. I mean, you guys tell me in regard to an offensive coordinator who you would have been excited about us getting. I mean, really excited about getting. It, it, it's tough. I, it you is. Know. Right. I mean, do <laughs> Most you guys, of the good ones become head coaches, so they're not coordinators anymore. As Jim said, right, that, yep, and yeah. we would probably lose it. But what I'm asking is, is, is there anybody out there that you guys would have said, oh, my God, man, we hit a home run here with this guy? I mean, I look – go ahead. No, no, there really isn't. And and when you look at, uh, you know, like a guy like Biannimi who's been rumored for a head coaching job for years now, you know, it's awfully easy to be an offensive coordinator when you've got Patrick Mahomes and all of right. those weapons. So, and right. Andy Reid is a head coach, exactly. Right. You know, and and you take all of the the Patriot uh, coordinators and you know the the Packers coordinators. All these guys leave these great players, and they don't look as good anymore. And well, and, Gase, Gase with uh, Manning is, Philbin, is a great example. Philbin yeah, right? from Green Bay. I mean, yeah, yeah right. I, there's a, a number of examples. Yep. Go ahead. Exactly. So that's that's why I'm. I, you know, I don't have an issue with it. If they're truly a great coordinator, then they're not probably going to be here long enough to build a good team. You need to put two or three years into it to really get it clicking on all cylinders. And if they're that good, they're going to be a head coach next year and it's just going to be kind of a waste of time. So I'm, I'm good with the internal. (laughs) Yep. That's a tough one to answer. It really is because every, every circumstance is different, you know? All right. Mark asks if we pick a marquee offensive weapon at number three, like uh, Smith or chase, um, would you take this as a signing of intent or an act of appeasement towards the fans who are longing for a splash signing? <laughs> and I, I, I can't give that, you know, maybe the answer it deserves. I'm just going to say no. I don't think they're going to risk their job. I'm making the fans happy. They're going to do what they think is best for the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, go ahead. My comment is it's kind of all of the above. They need impact players. So, you know, they need to make the team better. And, you know, Lou is always, always crying for playmakers. So, you know, they, they, and those playmakers are those splash signings that get let's, people's Let's not attention. put that all on Lou, Jim. I think we do our share of crying. Well, too. I, I know, but I think Lou has the loudest voice when it comes to that. So, uh, you know, hey, it's a little bit of everything, but uh, they're going to try to do what's best for the team either way. Yeah. you. I mean, but you can't. 
I understand that totally, but you can't reach for it. You just can't. You can't you can't try to get something at that number three position that you might be able to get equivalent at number eighteen. Um, you know, think again, beyond- it, it it just depends on who is there. I mean, it's it's just that simple. You can't pass up on a stud linebacker or edge player. You know, or or the uh, the tackle Sewell at that point. You know, just to reach for this home run guy. Now, you know, with with that being said, if it comes down to, you know, Sewell being off the table and maybe you know the quarterback obviously being off the table, then you got decisions to make. You know, well, you, you know, Lewis, I see people ranking Chase as the third best player. You know, yeah, so absolutely. There's no guarantee Sewell is a, is going to be on that Dolphins board at number three. Is you know what I'm saying? Exactly right. Which is what I basically just said. If he's okay. gone, you know, then you basically weigh it out and see. I mean, you 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 look at your board. And if you feel that Chase is the best player, and obviously it's a need for us, then maybe you consider doing it. But I, Mike, everything I've looked at, you know, there's about three or four other guys that are rated above him. You mm-hmm. know, at that position, you know, at that number three position. So you know, it's just a matter of where you look, and you know, we have other needs as well. And you know, we it, all you know, know it's those just needs. it's funny to me, Lewis, how you know you look at these projections okay a month ago right and they're in one place and now you look at them today and they're in another place now what happened in the last month <laughs> exactly more <laughs> no more I, I, I saw mark go ahead i saw mock drafts um where we were getting uh chase at 18 uh-huh <laughs> right yeah. so i mean you know what what has changed right I, since since the college season and i don't know Just what were you gonna to say me. jim it's all personal opinion, and everybody does their own mock, and they see what they want to see, and they don't see what they don't want to see, uh, and they and they plug and play by. Uh, but you know, Jim, people start seeing Chase r- r- climbing up the board, so now all of a sudden they're putting him higher on their board, and you know, uh-huh. it's just a whole bunch of. Oh yes, yeah. it's yep. a whole bunch of propaganda. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, you know, with that being said, listen. If they draft Chase, right, and he becomes an absolute stud, fantastic. That's it. I mean, you know, it's you know, it's a good situation, one way or another. But regardless of the fact, they have to be smart, and they can't reach. They just can't reach for guys. I mean, if it, if it, if they feel that he's the third best player, Mike, as you mentioned, then you take him. You know, we don't know what their thoughts are in it, on any of these guys. My opinion. I, I just don't see it there, you know, but depending on what's there when we draft, maybe they do do it. Maybe they're afraid to trade down and and not have him there if they trade down the number eight, which is a possibility as well. You know, we've seen crazy things happen in this in, in the draft, you know. Yes, we, yes, we it's, have. It's so, you know, speculative. It's unpredictable. Yeah, I mean, and so many things can change even prior to the draft in regard to trading up, yep. trading down. Well, so and free we'll agency see. shapes the draft as well. Agreed, right? Agreed. I mean, listen, if we go out and we sign a big-time free agent wide receiver, right? Um, it, it may very well take that importance away to some extent. Now, I still feel they need a good young receiver no question about yeah, but it but maybe they take one in the third round instead of so early in the draft exactly you just don't know i mean so 
you know, once we go through this free agent period, we're going to see, you know, what their thought process is in regard to what direction they want to go. So a lot in between uh, now and then. There's one thing that I know for sure. Whatever we do, it needs to be better than the last number three pick we made. (laughs) Dion. We'll never forget Dion. Yeah, let's not even go there. Let's go on to the next question because that's depressing as hell. (laughs) Christina Zambri asks, uh, what's the plan to ramp up the offensive line? I can't tell you what their plan is, but I could tell you what mine would be. I want to bring in more people to compete. I want to bring in Brandon Sheriff in free agency. Now, he might be a little too expensive, but I'm going to try and find a way to get that signing done because he's probably the best available guard and one of the best guards in the league. And once you bring him in, then you can sit Flowers down. Uh, and then in, in the draft, you know, in the second round, I'd be looking to take a guy like Creed Humphrey, who is one of the better centers in the draft. So... You know, if they get both of those things done, they could really shape their offensive line uh, to be solid, even even if they can't get that kid in the draft that everybody wants. Yeah, that center position is going to be a need now, right? Because both Pouncey brothers are, are now gone. So there's going to be a few teams right. in the you NFL. Karras is a free agent, so he may sign somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, the, the offensive line has got a lot – of raw talent there. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens between year one to year two with some of these guys. Um, I'm, I'm excited about some of the guys that they have. And, um, you know, listen, a a veteran guy is always, always a good thing, Mike. Um, There's no question about that. Well, he's going to make uh, you better at three positions, Lewis. That's my theory there. What's that? He's going to make you better at three positions. That's my theory there. Yeah, no, I listen, I I would love to see it. I mean, that they have to throw money somewhere, right? So why not the offensive line? I mean, we struggled. We couldn't run the football last year. I mean, that's why I, I keep praying that this this kid Sewell's going to be there when, when we go to draft yep. at number three. You have to be able to run the football to some extent. And yep. we, we really just don't do a good job of it. Um you know, our quarterbacks are rushed consistently. So, yeah, we need improvement there. So I don't care how they get it done. I really don't. I just think that we've got some good young raw players that I think are going to get better. We hope. Yep. Yeah, I'm basically on the same theory with you guys. Uh, I'd love to, I'm like you, Mike, I'd love to bring uh, Brandon Sheriff in. Uh, that would That would help us immensely. He's durable. Uh, he is going to cost probably fifteen million bucks a year, but uh, well, tell him there's no state taxes. Maybe he'll take less. Yeah, I mean that's that's just a ballpark round number, but you know that's the the type of deal that those guys are going to get. And uh, even Karras, you know, he's projected to get around ten million dollars. So that's a question mark on off offensive line. So uh, to me, if you can sign Sheriff somehow, and and then if uh, you still want to look at the tackle Sewell in the draft, uh, I'm fine with that. Uh, the game is won in the trenches, and then we'll still have, you know, three talented young guys that we can plug and play and and make a really good line with so that'd be my plan ryan norwood asks would you bring in jj wantless <laughs> no neither would <laughs> i no 
I mean, unless he's coming in here. If he wants to come sign some autographs, we'll do that. And now, and he comes in at a really, really low salary. I mean, he's, you know, he's a, I think he's a marginal player at this point. He was an outstanding player, but he's had some injuries. He's not the player he was years ago. And, you know, he may get you a sack here or there in, in, in different situations, but I mean, how much are you going to pay for that? I don't think, um, you know, he's going to make any difference on this football team to any great extent. So, I don't do it. I mean, I don't even know. What are they projecting him at getting in regard to his salary? I don't know, honestly. I really don't. I, I got to figure he's going to make 8 to 10 to $12 million, don't you think? I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure somebody would pay him the $10 million. Uh, and I'm with you guys. I don't see, him, see it happening. Uh, but with that said, I mean, who wouldn't want J.J. Watt on their team? It's just a matter of whether it's practical for the Dolphins right now, and, and I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, you can see a team that has the luxury of signing him to do it, right? I mean, going to Kansas City or to a team like that that can bring him in and in situation, situational play, and and I saw and where he was he was interested in Cleveland. Cleveland, yeah, right? There you go. There's another team. You know, yeah. they're they're a playoff team, and you know, I mean, it'd be interesting to see where he lands. But there's teams that may have the luxury of doing that. I don't see our team with all the needs that we have going out and spending money on JJ Watt and it being a positive thing. You know, there's there's other needs, bigger needs, and um, you know, I just don't see it. All right, uh, Mark Rutherford asks: Is the offense going to be a weakness for Miami going forward, given that Flores' strength and background lies in defense? And uh, my answer to that is, you know, I think it's about acquiring talent at the skill positions, you know, strengthening the line, and uh, get a running back who can uh, break some uh, runs. And I think Flores will be great on offense. You know, it's all about the talent. Well, yeah, it's it's Flores' job to get everybody prepared for for games on Sunday, right? And developing yep. these guys on the field. It's up to the the coordinators to do what they need to do. The offensive coordinators, the both of them, right, mm-hmm. uh, to put put these guys in the best position to to be successful once they get on the field. You know, play calling wise, um, recognizing their strengths and and going that route. Um, I don't think the fact that Flores is more of a defensive coach or was a defensive coach has anything to do with, you know, um, the offense lacking. I think it has a lot to do with the talent that we have on that side of the, on that side of the field. So, you know, once that gets better, then, you know, the team will be better. You wasn't saying that last year. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't, I don't. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be a weakness for him moving forward, but when you look at the 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 bodies that he brought in last year for the team, uh, you know Byron Jones and Kyle Van Noy and a lot of defensive players. Other than some O linemen, uh, we didn't bring in any any studs on offense. You know, other than obviously Tua, that was. Uh, I think this uh, is all by design. I, I know I've yeah. said that before. You know, I really think their plan last year was to attack the defense, get yep. it better. Yep. And this year, you're going to see them focus a lot more on the offense. Well, guys, keep in mind they 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 signed two offensive linemen. I mean, they did sign Karras, they did right. sign Flowers. 
they traded for a running back and they signed the running back. So, right. I mean, they did but bring flowers, in full- flowers and carrots. I look at as band-aids, which is what I think that was. And I, they, you I know. get that, but yeah. you know, Van Oy at his age, Mike is, Band-Aid you know, you, too. Could, yep. you, and he got paid a lot to be a band-aid, yep. but my point so is flowers. this, <laughs> yep. exactly. Right, flowers did as well. So the point is this is regardless of whether they're band-aids or not, all these guys were brought in to make our team better. Uh, they felt that the running game would get a little bit better. Both running backs did nothing for us. Um, you know, the linemen we brought in were very average. So, you know, with all that being said, you know, it, it, it's really tough to, to, to look at this thing subjectively um, and, and say, well, yeah, we did address one thing and we didn't address the other because they did make an attempt. Unfortunately, one side of the football didn't do as well. Uh, the defensive side was much more successful in their signings. Agba and, and those guys did a much better job than the guys that we brought and over Flowers on the offense. Guys like Karras did okay. I and mean, Howard, he, he, Mike. He, he, Howard yeah. was a, a complete failure. I mean, he was our worst free agent signing out of the bunch, and we really thought yeah. that he was going to be one of the better ones. And also, you know, all of our receivers either got injured or opted out. So our options on offense were pretty limited. So, yes, we, we did not address that in the least, um, you know, last year, Jim. I mean, I, I will agree with you on that. I mean, there's no question. They, they didn't go out and attempt to sign, um, you know, a free agent receiver at all. I don't think they brought in anybody, right? Everybody. Well, Isaiah Ford's not going to make or break your team. No, but he was with. What I'm saying he was is, with is them at the point. At that point, everybody, yeah. everybody that they had this season was with the team the season prior, including guys like Hollins. We brought him in late the late the year, year before, before. Yeah. Uh-huh. right? So they they I don't remember them bringing not one single uh, free agent wide receiver in, regardless of what tier they may have fell in. They went with what they had, and you know. It is what it is. I mean, we saw the results of all that. Darren Allen had, had an interesting question. He says, uh, one trade, one draft pick, one free agent signing, and one roster cut would you make to make the team better? Come again with that, Mike? He wants one trade, one draft pick, one free agent signing, and one roster cut that you would make to make the team better. I'll <laughs> uh, I'll take on this one. I, I well, put a, li- a little bit of thought into this. Uh my thought was to uh, to draft the uh, Penai Sewell, uh, the tackle, and uh, my free agent is Brandon Scherf. Uh, uh, you stole and, him from me now. I want him back. Yeah, I understand completely. And then my trade bait was was Jesse Davis, since we're investing in a couple of offensive linemen. Uh, you know, Jesse Davis has probably got some trade value. Uh, and then the cut would be uh, Clayton Fedgedalum. Uh He hasn't really contributed much, and uh, you know he's he he can go as far as I'm concerned. Well, Fedgelum isn't. <laughs> that wouldn't be a surprise at all. You know, I think that. Uh, well, he that, doesn't say surprise. He just says cut. Right. Yeah. It, uh, that'll make us better, huh? Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, well, there. <laughs> yeah, that'll make us better. Uh, you know, in regard to the draft pick, I mean, I'm high on Sewell, you know, and, um, you know, that's if he's there, you know, hopefully they, they don't pass up on him. In regard to a trade, you know, I, I don't know if there's a trade out there. I, you know, that, that's so 
subjective. We don't know who's available. Well, it, it's vast, Mike. I mean, right. you can go in a million different directions. You know, draft pick, whatever the case may be. So that's really, really tough. Um, in regard to free agent, you know, I like the offensive lineman you're talking about, but I, you know, I'll say it again. I really feel that they need to go out and get a wide receiver uh, through free agency, a guy like Chris Godwin, a guy that's coming into his prime. You know, he's 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 developed into a decent football player. Um, you know, you have to, regardless of whether you draft a wide receiver, I still feel that we need a solid, solid free agent signing at that position. I don't know, I'd I don't love know to how they pay for that. that. They, I they, don't know either, they, Mike. They, but they might have to cut Bobby McCain and uh, yep. Eric Rowe, and uh, yep. then they might be able to do it because that'll get them. Jesse I don't know, Davis, six, six, no, six, trade seven Jesse million. Davis, like Jim said, you get rid of some salary there. Who knows, Grant? I, I hey. you know, you don't know. You got to figure out a way to do it because they have to upgrade that position. Uh huh. All right, Mike. What's your plan? I don't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Mike Palumbo's question. <laughs> what would you all view as a successful year for Tua next year? What do you need to see? And uh, my answer is I need to see him challenging defenses and process the game a little faster. What do you need to see, Lewis? <laughs> Where do I begin, Mike? We don't have enough time on this show. We're 40 minutes in. We well, are. See, we I are tried to make my, uh, my let, answer let, quick let, and let to me, the point. Let me make this plain and simple. Everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> Go ahead, <Well>. Jim. <laughs> we answered this question earlier. We expect. What did we expect a team to do make the uh, this year? Make the playoffs. And I expect Tua to make the playoffs. And that's that's it. He but needs Jim, to he needs to do what he needs to do back there okay, so that the team you, can make the playoffs. Right, there you go. Well, I mean, the team can make the playoffs despite him. We've seen it before, you know, in regard to teams making the playoffs regardless of uh their quarterback being marginal. We want him to be better than marginal without a question of a doubt. We don't want the defense having to carry us week in and week week out. The offense has to contribute. They have to be much better than they were last year. But the way the rules are today, it's extremely difficult for a defense to carry you the way some of those defenses in the past did. Hey, absolutely, Mike. Absolutely. Jeff Noe asked, what's the chances that we take a defensive tackle in one of the first two rounds? I think it's pretty slim. I mean, we drafted Davis highly. We drafted Wilkins highly. I don't know that they're going to draft another defensive tackle that highly. Not that they don't need one, but I don't think it's going to be a high pick. Agreed. I mean, all you got to do is look at the needs on this team. I mean, the the, the major needs. Um, I mean, you can always use another solid defensive tackle, but I mean, we are there. There's positions why we've talked about them already during this podcast that have to be addressed. And defensive tackle, I think they're more than sufficient there. Yeah, I doubt it as well. I say there's less than a 10% chance that we, we go with a DT in the first two. But again, you know, you're going by your board. If, if the guy staring you in the face is the best defensive tackle that, you know, in the draft and you see your highest graded player, you may consider it. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I don't think I don't think it happens based on the roster. Right. Ryan Norwood uh, asks, who was the uh, who on the team impressed us the most last year and who was our biggest letdown? And for me, it's easy. 
I think Howard was, was the, impressed me the most, the way he came back. He had the 10 interceptions, and I just thought he was phenomenal from start to finish. Uh, the biggest letdown had to be Tua. And, you know, I'm not giving up on Tua, but he had to be the biggest letdown because we expected him to come in and be a lot better than he was. For me, it was between Xavier Howard and uh, Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, Howard actually, you know, outplayed him a bit, but Ginkle's uh, good know, one. I I kind of expected Xavier to be good. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, where Van Ginkle, I was I was excited. Ten interception, good. I mean, nobody's done that in quite a number of years. I know, I know. And then, uh, like you said, Tua is definitely my my biggest letdown. I, I mean, I don't know how anybody can be excited about how he played last year so yeah i'm in total agreement i mean i'd put Gink- van ginkle ahead of howard because as long as howard was healthy we expected him to play at a very very high but howard level. howard was healthy maybe that's kind of surprising yeah right, uh, right. Yeah, that, that yeah, was true. a surprise but van ginkle yeah. was the guy that i would absolutely above and beyond anybody else i mean he just developed into an extremely solid player yes he did um very surprising to all of us um he came out of nowhere and uh you gotta love it um on the Seal- other sealer was a nice surprise too yeah oh yeah sealer was but not to the extent van ginkle agrees um you know, disappointments, obviously, two is at the top of the list, um, you know, and you can go with our other two draft picks, you know, not too far behind him. And Baker, you can throw in the mix as well. You know, we keep waiting for Baker. You know, we, we've we talked about this in previous podcasts as well, you know, to where they surrounded him with some solid players and you just didn't see him take it to the next level again. So th- there was a few guys that were disappointing this year. And, um, you know, but Tua obviously was the guy that, you know, disappointed us the most at this point. So Ryan we'll Nortwood asked, who on the team is your Mike, hold on a second breakout now, they, player next year? He, he Norwood has an awful lot of time on his hands, doesn't he? I keep hearing his name. Well, you heard Mark Rutherford quite a bit, too. Both of them asked a lot of questions. <laughs> I mean, that's great yep. that, they, you know, that they're involved. And um, I'm just giving them a little bit of um, – so who, who's your who's your pick for breakout player next year? I put down Tua because I mean he's got nowhere to go but up. <laughs> That's good, Jim. But go ahead. Who do you got? You know I was reluctant to say Tua, but he was on the top of my list. But I, I think Robert Hunt, our offensive lineman uh, drafter from last year, I think he's really going to step up his game, take a big step, and and be really good on our offensive line this year. I like that. I'm thinking, Mike. Uh oh! I thought uh, I smelled smoke. Yeah, he doesn't want to say Tua. No, I, I. Well, you guys already said Tua. Why would I? I mean, listen. You know, Tua came very highly touted, right? So right. you know, you would expect it from him. You know, a guy. I'm just thinking of somebody else right now, and honestly, I can't think of anybody. You know, I like. I like the off the young offensive linemen that we have. Let's hope that one of them. How about ta- Raekwon takes- Davis? Right, Ra- Raekwon. Mike, but Mike, you know what? Raekwon, I think, is already there to an extent. Uh, now, is he going to take it to the next level? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, you want Wilkins, you want a lot of these guys uh-huh. to do it. But as I'm thinking about it, I, I just don't know. I, I, I'd have to think about that a little more. I don't okay. have anybody on, you know, that. Well, that we'll comes be back. To my well, you'll be back next week. So, you know. Yeah, you can, next uh, week or the week yeah, after, maybe yeah. a month from now, I'll come up with it. 
Lou, I hate to say this, but Ryan asked, uh, do you agree? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you yep. agree with that? No, no. I appreciate him taking the time. Do you agree I with ESPN and NFL Network that Buffalo's Josh Allen will be far and away the division champ? Or do you think that Allen regresses to the norm like most players do? And I said to him, you know, that's interesting because I like Allen because of his toughness and his ability to extend plays. I think that helps keep them in games. Uh, I don't think we know what his norm is yet. He's young. He's ascending. Uh, so, you know, his play could fall off a little, but he, I thought he had a special year last year. So we have yet to see what his norm is. I, I think he's great. I think he's going to be fine going forward. Uh, they've got a nice, solid team around him. I, you know, I don't see him doing anything different. If anything, he's going to get better, right? I mean, we you, don't, think? you don't normally see guys go backwards, per se. I mean, it's possible. We've seen it. We have seen it, <laughs> but but... But if you look at the guy, you know, and, and you watch him play the football game, I think he's got it. You know, it, it's just that simple. As you watch him, he's got it. And we saw a team shut him down, basically, in a playoff game. And it's going to be very interesting to see how he bounces yep. back next year. Because yep. Kansas City actually did an extremely good job against him. Um, what would help Buffalo is a little bit of a running game. Because right now... It's on his shoulders, and um, you know they have to get some sort of running game. I mean, you saw Kansas City now, right? You know, with with how they got shut down in the Super Bowl, and teams are going to try to, um, you know, copycat that that type of defense that they played against them. At some point, guys, you're going to see the running game become extremely more important than it has been of late. Um, Teams are going to need to run the football again. It's that simple. I agree. Teams, Very teams much get, agree. Teams are getting smart. You know, they start throwing three safeties back there, and, it, you know, they keep everything in front of them, so on and so forth. We'll see how it all develops, but um, Allen's going to be fun. Derek Henry probably agrees, too. I mean, you know, <laughs> you get a big guy like that, you know, you're in an advantage. Yes. I mean, look at Indy, you know, with Phillip Rivers, a quarterback. He had yep. a decent season, but it didn't matter who they plugged in, a Jonathan Taylor, Wilkins, whoever it was, the, the third Hines, uh, the, all of those running backs made plays on that team. And Indianapolis was a very well-balanced football team. They were. And they made the playoffs because of that. So I think you're going to, you know, you're going to see teams reverting back to that a little bit. Rusty asks, Jim, in year three, uh, the final is year three the final year that rebuild? At what point does it become a reload? And uh, I answered him, I, I think you continually try to get stronger every year. You hit reload when you cannot manipulate the cap enough to keep your team competitive. That could be year five or year six. It just depends on how much the cap raises and your expenses related to uh, re-signing players and your free agent acquisitions. To put an actual final year label on any type of rebuild is always probably a mistake. The rebuild isn't done until you until you level off. Whether that's this year, next year, or whenever, it's all still relative. We are still rebuilding. I don't see this as the last year, but we are going to be in a transition from that blow it up and start over thing to maintaining 
you know, some of your drafted and new talent that's on the team, you got to keep guys, you got to still bring in new people. So I don't think this is the last year of a rebuild, but it's also not the same rebuild it was two years ago. It's a, it's transitioning all the time. So, Yeah, I agree with that, Jim. With that being said, you look at some of our better players, right? Devontae Parker. I mean, he's going in the, what, a seventh season next year? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. X-Man, he's been around quite a while, he's 28, right? 28. He's 28, yeah. right. Um, you know, that's, you know, for the cornerback position, you know, you edge towards 30, you know, maybe they convert him to safety and he's still around. <laughs> I don't know, but here's the thing. You know, in today's NFL, there's a very small window, right? So we're right on the crust of, of making the playoffs last year. I think this year's a very important season. It's it's a constant revolving door that the, that the organization has to make decisions upon. Listen, Gasecki's contract, right? His rookie contract's done. I mean, these are some of our better player, some of our better players, guys. And um, Van Oy's up there in age. You know, I know we signed him to a free agent contract. Uh, Baker is you know getting going into what his fourth or fifth season. So a lot of these guys that have been around for a bit. You know, I mean, you know, we have to do something soon because things are going to change very quickly, you know, with a lot of our better football players, and they're going to have to make a lot of big decisions. So it's, this, is an, this is a very, very important season coming, coming up this year. Very important for this organization. You're scaring me, Lewis. Well, I, I don't want to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you that, you know, that's the reality of the NFL nowadays. You know, you, you can only keep, you know, your core together for so long. And then, you know, you have to start looking in other directions, you know, and, and you, you realize that, man, oh man, this guy came and went, you know, we, we, yeah. we didn't even make a playoff. We didn't even have yeah. a playoff game during his tenure. So, you know, it's an important year. All right. Well, the last question was from Mark Rutherford and uh, his question <laughs> was, who would, who would be your pick of free agency, wide receiver and running back, including your perceived likelihood of it happening based on cap space and scheme fit? And rather than name running backs who we think we should take in free agency, we're going to tell you that we're going to answer that in the next coming uh, podcasts as we start breaking down free agency a little bit. Okay. So w- with that, I've got nothing else to add, guys. How about you? I pretty much covered a lot of questions tonight, so I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, it was good. Yep. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, thanks for joining me this evening, and I hope everybody out there enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. Fins, Fins up. up. Fins up, Dolphins. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Network.